to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hey, welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks, your host. I specialize in retail transformation and operating models, helping retailers to understand what their ideal operating model is and the transformation they need to undergo to bring that into reality. Thanks so much for tuning in. This one is episode 194, number 194. Now, technology is never that far away from the conversation here on the podcast. And today I'm delighted to welcome a renowned retail technology expert onto the show, Christine Russo. Christine specializes in providing clarity around complicated and complex solutions to help retailers be able to solve major pain points through the use of the right technology. Christine's got a background initially starting at Deloitte and then expanding into the world of retail through J. Crew, through a number of different retailers, looking at store development, looking at bricks and mortar expansion. She's taught at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. Christine has played the role of Chief Strategy Officer at the Robin Report and now heads up her own agency, RCCA, the Retail Creative and Consulting Agency. Christine's a great content producer with super interviews, videos and articles to help you understand what is going on under the hood of technology. She's a Rethink Retail top global influencer like yours truly for both times that has been issued 2021 and 2022. And as you'll hear in the discussion, she has such a broad range of both interest and expertise in this sector. So enjoy listening. You'll find the show notes today over at obandco.uk slash 194. That's obandco.uk slash 194. And whilst you are over there, do remember to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing, my weekly email newsletter that gives you an overview of what is going on in the world of retail transformation. Global headlines, new trials, new initiatives, new innovations, as well as insight and intel to help you understand the retail trends as they emerge. Sign up for free over at obandco.uk slash 194. And without further ado, let's jump straight on in to the conversation with Christine Russo. Enjoy listening. Well, a very warm welcome to you, Christine Russo, to the Retail Transformation Show. How are things? Hey, OB. How's it going? All very well, very well. All the better for talking to you today, though, I might add. We're going to be diving into lots of great topics around your specialist subject, retail and technology. And there's, of course, been a huge amount of transformation over the past few years. But let's start with stores, bricks and mortar stores and the role that technology is currently playing in in shops right now. Great points. Great, great discussion. Definitely something I'm very passionate about. So I'm ex- really excited to be here. Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> so 
there was this sort of, we can get by by, we'll say we're omni-channel, but we'll kind of be two separate entities in retail. We're going to have stores and we'll grow our e-commerce. In fact, they were oftentimes two divisions within an organization for many, many years as as e-commerce grew, as we all know. So, you know, it really got a kick in the butt when customers were forced to shop online primarily due to the lockdowns. And then they went back to stores. They were like, am I back in time here? What's going on? I'm back in stores, but I'm back in time. Is this 1984? What's happening? (laughs) So the real kind of uh, psychology of shopping in a store and not experiencing all of the same things that they experience online is an important driver towards digital transformation. So obviously you don't have to do it. But the customer has come to expect it. It feels off to them. So it's it's not just a business practice. It, it's actually psychological. And so when you talk about omni-channel or when you talk about go to where the customer is, or when you talk about like, why does the customer like to go in the store or maybe go back and shop online? When you really pull back the onion, as we say, um, and look at some of those reasons, one of them has that has become glaring is, there's just so many better things going on online where your information is preloaded for checkout. You don't have to find your wallet, which seems like, gosh, do we really not have like a minute and a half to stand at a cash register and like actually check out? Well, guess what? No, it's yep. a mindset. Yep. It's really not about the minute and a half. It's just like, oh, wow. Like when I go online, I can just seamlessly, frictionlessly zoop out of here. They, I'm already pre, pre-programmed. Now, we don't really have that, so to speak, in stores, but there are things you can do. For example, having extensive payment options through a tap and pay. Yeah. So that's a digital transformation in the fintech world. So yeah. being able to walk up, check out, or even just have them come to you, like in an Apple store, you know, I'm standing here, right here. I don't have to go to a desk. Yes. That's all the digital transformation. It's, it's all being led by the technology. It's the customer's not aware that that's a technology adoption that the retailer has done. They just know if they can't do it, it feels off. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point, actually, because convenience has been a word that's been used hugely over the past certainly a couple of years but even five or ten years right and there is the the convenience store as a format but there's convenient shopping as well in terms of being able to get in and get out being able to do it at the time that you want to do shopping which is always my personal frustration with physical stores because I want to do shopping at nine or ten o'clock at night and not that many stores open then (laughs) but uh Absolutely. Making that store visit convenient in terms of, obviously, it doesn't work for all categories. You can't, can't walk around a, a, a supermarket <laughs> with, a, with a mobile pause and check out. But absolutely, if you're buying a one-off item, perhaps it's a clothing store or furniture wear, small baskets in terms of number of items, it makes perfect sense to make shopping convenient. Well, actually, you can do it in a grocery store in two different ways. But let's just clarify, like the fintech for example, the tap and pay digital wallet that can be used across anything, right? That's where there's a person, your item is getting swiped, and then you have a an amount show up in the POS and you just can tap and pay. And we're used to it now, right? You have your credit card in there, you have Apple Pay in there, but there are solutions now that offer 
point Bitcoin, if you were interested, foreign currency, Venmo, PayPal, and also all of your uh, buy now, pay later options. So they're yep. they're all in there, and you just can choose. The store decides which one they want to offer you, and you you decide how you want to pay it after you tap and pay. So that's exactly what's offered online. There's so many more payment options online. So let's go back to your other point about grocery. Yes. So there's two ways to do it. And it's a little, it's they're heavy lifts. They're not something that is maybe as easy to adopt, adopt as a tap and pay fintech, but there are technology companies very actively deploying in grocery stores, shopping carts that actually are a checkout as well. It's built into the cart. So it's like a swipe and pay, put it in the cart. And this is not just like a convenience store grab and go. And we'll get to that. But there are like a large shop. If you want to go and handpick your produce and squeeze the cantaloupes and do all that, because there that's is what, a industry. That's what a lot of people like, right? Yeah. People want to do that. And that's fine. So they want, so people, so grocery stores are saying, all right, well, you know what? If they don't want to do online ordering and they want to come in, we still want to offer convenience. So these carts are outfitted with an actual checkout technology. That's one way. Yep. And the other way, of course, is grab and go technology. And I'll say in the States, the dominant top of mind player, so whether or not they're actually top of mind, but the dominant top of mind player is Amazon grab and go. Of course. And they started doing just their own stores and now they offer it to retailers, right? But it's expensive to grocers or whoever. And it's expensive. And so it's not really happening that quickly here. Yeah, and, and certainly so, in the UK, we're starting to see it, Amazon both doing it themselves and also in partnership and licensing out the technology. But we're also seeing other players coming in as well. So we've got this different technology battle going on in that checkout free market, which I think is a, a really fascinating space right now. Just how scalable it is. I'm not so sure if it's, you know, what, what does that ROI look like once you get out of the big highly densely populated areas and city centers, essentially. Does that still stack up? We're starting to see some trials in more rural areas here in the UK. So I'm really interested to see what happens there, whether that expansion continues or whether it is focused more on on the big city centers. What are your thoughts? For sure, Europe and the UK are ahead of the states in commoditizing the technology. There are many more players many more options. And so that, of course, brings down the price and leads to more adoption. So you're definitely seeing the uh, technology across, like you said, in larger areas and, and bigger stores. But true grab and go, where there's not a human being in a spot where it's 24 hours, there's two forms of it. You have it in terms of a kiosk, right? Yep. There's technology that I've seen deployed where it's, there's no person there. You, th their technology is either you swipe in the beginning, you pick up and you leave, or you walk in and then you pick up and then you swipe on the way out. So that's very rural friendly. Yep. And there are other options like large quote unquote vending machines that are swipe and go and those offer, what I love about those is the mission of, of those types of things are fresh food, like to the most rural underserved areas where there are not great supermarkets. Mm. So you can, without a big to-do, get 
someone access to some really great products, which is, a, which is you know, a kind of a, a very big mission, um, you know, a, a mission for good. You know, it's astounding to me how groceries sort of came out off the pole after the pandemic as the technology leader in technology innovation, that and QSR, quick mm. service restaurants. Uh, I mean, crazy. Yeah. The thinnest margin businesses, or at least in grocery, being incredibly innovative. But it's the the scale of it, right? You know, the number of transactions, the number of customers, the fact that, of course, customers need to buy food, <laughs> certainly, certainly for the foreseeable future. But, you know, of course, we were going to dive into innovation in this conversation, talking about retail technology. So I'd like to almost pivot a bit to talk a bit more about innovation now, Christine. What's your thoughts? How does innovation sit within the retail market? What, how important is it? Well, that's a perfect segue because, as I said, we've seen some real kind of leaders coming at it and not just sniffing around, but also deploying solutions. Okay. Yep. So we see that happening in grocery and we see it in QSR. And in QSR also, they're going into the metaverse. I mean, they're really kind of pushing the boundaries. So then let's talk about some, some other forms of, we're still on the topic of brick and mortar mm. retail, where a lot of companies have created innovation departments, which is great. And I just, I see a lot of technologies eagerly approaching every type of enterprise retailer and and small, small enterprise and large enterprise, let's say. Yep. And I think the technology companies would kind of hope that there was a little bit more adoption, a, a quicker rate of saying, oh yeah, this is what we want to do. It's a slow and steady process. Mm. I would say for anyone trying to enlist or engage with a retailer, so much of it is engagement and engagement and education, I should say. Yep. Uh, it's astounding to me how, you know, people can come out with a, with a solution with uh, like guns blazing on the sales side when that's not really how things work, particularly here. I, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but it's, it's about education. Like, why do you need this? Right. How can we help you? Yeah. I love that point about education because th there's a whole load of education going on. You know, I used to be at Tesco and the sort of the whole concept of Tesco Labs and the, the innovation teams there, there was an element of educating stakeholders within the wider business about what new technology capabilities there are, how that can solve different challenges that once upon a time you'd think, no way could I just walk out of a supermarket, right? But suddenly there's an education piece that goes on. How do you do that? But also what else does let's say with that checkout free example, what else does that technology enable? It's not just the customer experience of walking out without having to stand in line, so to speak. So there's a big education piece going on there. Of course, customers have got a huge education piece to learn how to uh, adopt technology. And I'm sure we can all think of some really advanced trials that have gone out to the marketplace and Technology has been great, but the, the customer adoption has kind of bombed because people didn't really get it. They didn't really use it. And consequently, I can certainly think of some examples where that trial has rolled back. But actually, it was just two or three years ahead of its time uh, in terms of that education piece. Oh, there's so much in there. Oh, no. First of all, Tesco <laughs> is like, ah. 
So much. Tesco is a great example of a company trying new things. And I don't know what the inner workings of it is, but it, you know, you see them everywhere kind of trying things. I don't know if they have a, we'll try it. And if it doesn't work, we, we move on, which is one way to go about things. And maybe it's like that, but you raise an interesting point about technology. One of the jobs of the end user is to determine if it's a fad, a trend or a strategy. Oh, I like that. And so, yeah, when you say, when someone is coming, has a solution and wants to come forward and get people to engage with it. And honestly, whether it's on the B2B or B2B to C column, it's very important that you make sure that you clarify you are not a fad and maybe it's a trend because trends can be your friend, but in fact, it can be a strategy. So it's like, what are you looking at? A trend maybe is something you get into sooner and then you see if it turns into a longer term sustainable solution. And I feel like Tesco sort of does that. They get in somewhat sooner and they, and they, then they pull out if it's not good. Yep. But uh, on the retailer side, having a great strategy to know what solutions you're looking for and constantly vet and seek those solutions, because I'm sure they're getting, <laughs> I know that they're getting bombarded all the time. So you make your buckets. And you look at those solutions by whatever it is, tap and pay, frontline worker management. I mean, there, there's so many security, like there's so many options. Do that work and then do the vetting and have a strategy of implementation. If I may, you raise a really good point, which is pioneers get the arrows and settlers get the land. <laughs> if you're too early. I love it. I've never heard that one before. You're nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, being too early, it's just, there's something wonderful about being that kind of creator, but in the end, if it's a business, you really need engagement, yeah. right? And so that is really important to have the customer understand it. Mm. So for example, I was approached by a company, they have a tech solution, this, that, the other thing. Okay, great. And it's like, well, that's great. But like, Retailers are much more responsive when you come with friends, <laughs> come to the dinner party with friends, which is, hey, look, we have all these people signed up who want it. We're bringing a, like a done deal to you. Yeah. And it's a done deal is not really the most eloquent word, but you understand what I'm saying, which is like, hey, we have this new thing as a standalone. You adopt it, Mr. Retailer, and then our hands are off. It's your job to market it and make people sign up. That is a huge mistake. Yeah. It's a huge mistake. So the right way to do it is, as you said, which is, okay, we need B2B. That's our revenue. Um, technology, retailers, you know, they pay us. We give them a solution. But in the end, getting the customer to want it is really also part of the technology's job. And it's case by case, whatever. But it really helps when trying to get a retailer to pick you. Yeah, that makes sense. So actually thinking about that full, should we call it end-to-end -end experience in terms of how it's going to be adopted by colleagues, how it's going to be adopted by customers, perhaps suppliers or a whole load of other stakeholders and stakeholder groups that could be playing into any given solution. I always ask technology if they are, if they white paper or if they are, if they're, if they, if they, how do I, it's, White paper is not the word, right word, but maybe it is. If they're doing like a behind the scenes solution or if they're white papering it and letting it look like 
the brand or retailer is yep. doing it. So my my example of that is when Intel started putting stickers on laptops that said like Intel inside yes. or something yeah. along those lines. Do you remember yeah. that? Okay. So that's a B2B to C strategy, right? Which is, okay, laptop manufacturer, people know that our technology, we're Intel, they know our technology is superior. So if you tell the customer what's inside, in addition to the other features and benefits that you have, you will increase your probability of sale. So here's another example. Let's take an AI makeup technology, yep. right? You go on the beauty brand and then you can try lipsticks. So some of it's better than others, right? We try, it's, it's, an, it's come it's a long way and it's actually quite good now, but some are better than others. So my question with, when I'm speaking to people in that industry is, so does the brand just kind of put the technology on their site? Let's say, I don't know, Mac, just pick anyone. Do they put it on their site? And then the customer's like, all right, I'll try this try on thing. And maybe it's great. Or does the technology, does the brand advertise the, te- the try on the AI and the tech? technology provider so that the customer knows, oh, they're actually really good at this. It's very accurate. I like it. I'm going to do it. So right now that's not happening. I personally think it should, especially with certain types of technology where it's like it helps the retailer and it helps you. Not that you're going to go out and go direct to consumer in any way. That's not nearly at all the conversation. But when there's Customer engagement, like you said, is how much can they trust this newfangled doodad? Well, you start to have certain solutions build really great reputations. And so if they know that you're behind the scenes providing that doodad, they're more likely to engage in it. And again, I go back to my point where when Intel, the Intel chip was was everything. We're not there anymore, but absolutely. I love it. And I think Amazon have done a good example of that with, you know, promoting their sort of just walkout technology, you know, certainly as they license it, it becomes, oh, okay, I know I've been to one of these stores before. It's going to be one of those experiences. Great. And I think there are lots of other examples that I think we'll start to see more and more of, you know, we're seeing these AR try-on technologies, particularly in fashion, which I think actually if, you know, a third-party system knew your body size measurements, what your type of fit you could wear and that could integrate and it's suddenly you get that trust of you know oh that's this company uses a particular recognized brand that i'm familiar with similar to i guess paypal and <laughs> other payment mechanisms right where it's like i trust this third party that is playing part of it mm. yeah very interesting you're absolutely right that's a great analogy you're absolutely right and everybody wins when I, look i think that a technology should do what they promise to do. And I think that it should be known. If if I were a retailer, I'd say, I want your name actually out there and I'm going to be following all your successes because it it just helps. And so with a try-on technology, oof, we've had so many hits and starts with that. Like (laughs) It's been around for a while. I think we're actually at the point, I'm seeing some that I think are really getting it now. And so those can be the winners because the customer is like this again. All right. Well, 
I did it. And then the product came and it actually didn't fit. So it takes one time. So let's say we are kind of, let's say I'm a retailer and I'm going to use this try on technology. And it's very important to clarify the new and improved and it's this company. And actually you can read about them here and here are other brands that they work with. Like the more, you know, that's goes back to education. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm aware of the time, Christine. There's a couple of points I want to come back to. Firstly, taking a slight pivot, what have we not talked about in the retail industry with regard to technology? What's the big conversation that everyone seems to be missing or not paying enough attention to? Cybersecurity. Cybersecurity. Go on, explain a bit more. Well, I mean, I, I have covered it a little bit and I know some vendors that are kind of pounding the pavement out there. And I hear from them that retailers are just like, yeah, 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 I'll get to it. Not yet. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a top three kind of priority for all businesses. And just in my travels and all that I do, it's not sexy. It's not at the forefront. It's not going to bring your customer acquisition costs down. Those back of house logistics technologies and solutions, they, those, you know, they tend to be under the radar. And I, and I think that this is, should be a really big conversation mm. and solutions that do it should get more airtime yep. from people yep, like us. Absolutely. And certainly I'm sure among the audience, there will be people, particularly retailers that have felt the sharp end of that particular challenge. And yeah, no, no one wins from that one. Right. So absolutely great. Great, Absolutely. great watch out there. Christine, I'd like to like to have a little bit of fun just as we begin to round out the episode. Inspired by your three categories earlier, we're going to do a quick fire round, if that's okay with you. So is Go it a it. fad? Is it a trend? Or is it a strategy? In no particular order. Like Check out free stores. Okay. Strategy. QR codes. Strategy. No. Yeah. Not trend. NFTs. <sighs> Fad. RFID. Dead. Dead. Wow. Yeah, I got a new Wow, okay. Dead. <laughs> four. four. <laughs> uh, drones. Fad. Try on tech. Strategy. Quick commerce. Super fast deliveries. Uh, trend. In-store robots. Strategy. That needs to happen. It needs to happen correctly. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And final one, the metaverse. Okay. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> I hate the word the words it depends. So I'm going with all three. All three. Very good. Very all good. Three. Well, I hope uh, that was a bit of fun for everyone. T- tell us what you as uh, Christine got it right. Do you disagree? What about RFID being dead? That's a that's an interesting one for sure. Christine, this has been a, a great session. Thank you so much for, for joining me on the show. How can people reach out? How can they connect with you? How can they find out more about all that you do? Oh, that's great. Thank you. Well, I think LinkedIn's the best place where I share my interviews with CEOs and founders of technology companies. I list my articles there. It's just kind of a catch-all for all of the content that I'm putting out there. I live in the awareness and education space. So if people want to learn what's happening, that's really the best place to go. And then, of course, from there, they can click to any of those direct pieces of content. So my LinkedIn is Christine Russo. That's it. 
Christine. Perfect. And we'll make sure that link is, is there for everyone on the show notes today. So, Christine Russo, thank you so much for, for joining me here on the show. It's been a really fascinating conversation that we could go in so many different directions, and I'm sure we'll continue the conversation over there. It was quite fun. Thank you so much. Wow, what a great conversation. That one could go in so many different directions. And I do hope you enjoyed the impromptu rapid fire round there. <laughs> Let us know. What do you think? Should that form a feature of the uh, Retail Transformation Show going forward? If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, then do make sure you hit subscribe in your favourite podcast app. Make sure you tune in to new episodes which come out every single week. But if you can't wait for the next one, then here are three from the back catalogue to get you started. In episode 185, we took a look at our checkout free stores, the future. Now we of course were talking about checkout free stores and you heard Christine's prediction there. Go dive deeper in, understand more about the technology, more about the opportunities in episode 185. We also spoke about innovation today, so why not check out episode 177, Inspiring Innovation Across Your Organization. And then finally, in episode 125, I was talking about eight factors shaping technology-led transformation. So I'm sure you'll enjoy that one too. I'll include all of those links to those episodes, if you can't remember them, or you haven't taken a note down, on the show notes page, which today you'll find at obandco.uk slash 194. And a quick reminder to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing whilst you're there. Plus, if you're in the UK, you must join us at Productivity and Transformation 2022. It's my event that I'm putting on in collaboration with Rethink Productivity. And we're going to be helping you find a way through the upcoming challenges and helping you decide how you can best appeal to your customers, build a colleague strategy, manage the costs and drive change. It's all happening on the 15th of September, but on the show notes page, you will find the link to find out the agenda, the speakers and a whole lot more. obandco.uk slash 194 is the single place you need to head right now. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll look forward to joining you on another episode very soon. Bye for now.